Now, just a, a quick word. Um, as you know, Chat 10 Looks 3 been around for five years. Uh, just it's a burgeoning sinkhole of sort of semi-useful enterprises. <laughs> <laughs> it's spawned a Facebook group, newsletter. Um, Instagram, Twitter, this podcast that you're listening to, you can yeah. go and sign up for the newsletter if you want, chat10looks3.com. Oh, well done. <laughs> KPIs. Um, but we've also got a subscriber button too. Disappointingly, it doesn't get you anything else extra because we want to keep everything available and free for everybody. The newsletter, the um, Facebook group and podcast and everything. Um, if you've got a few shiny coppers to spare, and obviously not everybody does, um, head to our website, www.chat10looks3.com, and there's a little subscribe button. Well, there's not actually. You have to click on menu. Oh, sh- When okay. you click on the menu, Details. it comes down, and then it says subscribe in there. Thank God I was here to I rescue that yeah. promotion. So, yeah, and visit if you our menu. Subscribe, if you'd um, like to... I'll give you Lee home address, <laughs> and uh, you can pop round and, um, you know, jump on her in the shower. You're oh, welcome. God, that's actually terrible. We can't say that. Annabelle, I'm not sure if you caught it. Oh, what is that, Lee? But I interviewed Lin-Manuel Miranda last week, the composer of Hamilton. I'm just going to take a picture of how big and dumb the grin on her face is right now. Just like, that is pretty much, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, look, it was you know, the strangest thing. So it began I when say- I was a little child. <laughs> I would say the number two and three people on my like interview wish list would be Ricky Gervais would have been number two and Lin-Manuel Miranda would be number three. Number mm. one is Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky Gervais and Lin-Manuel... If your phone rings right now and it's Barack's people, I'm going to actually <laughs> hurt you in a bad way. Oh, Barack, hi. Yeah, great. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I could do that. No problem. Okay, good. Squared away. Um, no, so within the space of one week, I interviewed both Ricky Gervais and Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel Miranda from their homes. It was crazy. People are doing it really tough right now, Lisa. <laughs> they don't want to listen to your triumphalism and your privilege. Anyway, Lin-Manuel was, as you would expect, absolutely delightful. I know, because we were all, for once, actually... <laughs> Put off looking at MasterChef until after seven thirty, which I'm sorry, love never happens. <laughs> so bad. I do go back and watch you, but honestly, um, did your but, kids enjoy it? Oh yeah, they loved the preceding stories about um, oh, they would have been health regulation. Oh, they would have been like, all over it. <laughs> That's right. Um, they all watched because they knew what was coming up. They knew there was a treat at the end. Yep, very yeah, very good. Um, what was really lovely was. Uh, so our friend Gwen, her son Samson, like all of our kids, is unscratchably addicted to Hamilton. And he, Gwen, had, when she told Hamilton, told Samson I was interviewing Lin-Manuel, took a photo of Hamilton, of, God, God, I what? of Samson's face. And it was like this sort of wonder and just thrill. And it was such a great photo. It was a great picture. And I thought, look, I'm just going to use that as a way into discussing the way fans of Hamilton feel because there is, does seem to be an ins- sort of extreme level of passion and sort of joy around it for fans and I thought his face captured it. Anyway, when I held up the photo to show Lin-Manuel, he, he sort of laughed and then in his, he began, he gave a great answer and he began it by saying, um, I remember when I used to be Samson mm-hmm. and I thought that it was such an emotional Cue intelligent Samson's life just completely <laughs> Samson's being head fulfilled at the age of 10. Yeah. Um, but it for the child hearing that, firstly, for him to repeat their name, it makes it so much more meaningful for sure, the yeah. child. And so I thought, oh, that's he, that's lovely that he recognises that that'll mean something to the child if he says their name. But also he then went on to say how when you, he said 
I used to be Samson. I remember when I was young and I would be watching musicals and they get in your DNA and you have to know every single thing about them. He's obsessed with Rent, yeah. Rent, yeah. And just how he described it, the way that when you love one, you just become so obsessed by it and you're singing it with your friends and all of the rest of it. It just perfectly captured, I think, why people do love musical theatre so much. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, personally, as not as rabid a fan of musical theatre as you are, like, the thing that I've really got from Hamilton is actually all to do with my children and um, because I think you came back from London having seen it and then um, my daughter, 13, um, had been to a drama class thing um, in the holidays where someone had put it onto it. So I mentioned it to her. She's like, oh, I'm listening to that already and then just got this ballooning obsession with it and that spread to the other kids and then in lockdown we... You know, have been listening to it a lot, obviously, but also the kids have just got really interested in who these characters are and so on. And, like, that is, I reckon, you know, the inordinate gift that Lin-Manuel Miranda has delivered to kids everywhere is just this sort of different way of looking at American history and certainly a more inclusive way of looking at American history. And he does, like, he's just a good dude. I mean, during the um, coronavirus crisis, he's... Um, opened up for free subscriptions to their um, to the collaborative education platform oh, that they've fantastic. done, where you can you can go to this project and you know um, log in and you can you know write your own hip hop version of you oh. know some classic event. I mean, it's just awesome. It's such a great resource. And so Disney Plus on the third of July is broadcasting. There's a filmed version of Hamilton which had the original cast yeah. um, for the Broadway cast, and they're filming it and putting it up. I've thought so much about this um, and I actually saw Lin-Manuel interviewed about it somewhere and he said he First name terms are you now? Here we are, Lin. Um, Linster. LMM. I asked LMM about it and he said um, so he they didn't want to bring out a filmed version of it until as many people as possible had seen a live version yeah. of it and I I keep sort of pondering with friends who haven't seen it live. Should I recommend Ponder with them? me because I haven't seen it. I know. So, yeah. so what's your thinking? Of, are you going to watch it? What's um, your thinking about it? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I have a choice of not watching it because my children are aware that it's on. So yeah. there's like literally a calendar with the days being marked off yeah. and um, they all came to me in a deputation <laughs> to say, we're not t- sure what time this actually goes to air. I mean, it's on American time. What if it's during school? Can we have the day off? And I went... Yep. <laughs> I, th- I think if it's because it's the third on third of July. It's, on Disney it's Plus a Saturday. It should yeah. be a Saturday morning yeah. in Australia. It I is, think if yeah. they're broadcasting it on prime we've, time we've, in the US. We've done all the calculations. It's it's going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, no school time will be missed. But um, yeah, I think uh, so. My worry with the Australian production, which you know your best friend now says um, the plan is to go ahead. It seems to be um, going on schedule as long as they can actually have full theatres. Like yeah. I, I noticed that. Um, there's some coverage at the weekend that um, Hamilton and a couple of other musicals have said, um, look, we can't do this unless we can we fill theatres. We can't yeah. do it at like a third capacity yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Just not worth it. Um, but my one reservation was really, well, um, the spectacle of seeing it live yeah. is something that we've still got in the can. Like we've listened to the audio so much. But mm. I'm also worried that, you know, a different production with different characters yeah. might... Underwhel- might feel like different and underwhelming. So I just think maybe watch the um, Broadway production and then be ready for, you know, be satisfied by that 
and then be you ready for... You will never be satisfied. I knew, I knew, I knew. Did you know that Kate, my seven-year-old, like I've actually psychologically terrified her now. I'm not sure this... Jeremy thinks this is actually really bad parenting, but um, every time she asks me, and like, I don't know, you know kids just have one question they ask all the time? Kate's is, what time is it? Like she's just always wants to know what time it is. And I'm right. like, there's a clock on the on the oven, kid. Look. But she always forgets that every time she asks what time is it, I then say, Showtime, showtime <laughs> <laughs> And then and she just like so now she'll ask, What time is it? And I'll take a breath and she'll go, No, 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 no and hold her and hold her um, hands over her ears. And I I think I'm actually look, perhaps I'm damaging her. I just think I'm making her more resilient, but Jeremy's like you, you gotta stop not doing do that. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I've come down on the side of watching it because I think the reason I'm reluctant is because I went to it cold, as you know, in London. I hadn't yeah. listened to it. I knew really very little about it, <clears throat> and I was my mind was blown partly by the thought of just the creation of the work, like like thinking, man, he's lit the writing of this is amazing and the music is so hooky and it's fantastic but then thinking so I was blown away by the degree of difficulty of that but then at the same time I was being blown away from like I was thinking how did he get this out of his head onto paper and then I was thinking how did he get it off paper with people understanding it to do it yeah and so and like to get it on stage and then the way that they realize it on stage is just mind-blowingly fantastic and so I feel like for you having not seen it I think like there's a certain bit I'm thinking of which is the um song that flashes back in time at the wedding and oh, how that's right, yeah, actually yeah. executed on stage oh, and I oh feel God. like that was so brilliant that I uh I really want you to see that on stage mm. but then well, I also think it. you know what things are very fragile because of corona um it is the original Broadway cast and it's with Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. and so I mean when he, and all those incredible people I mean yeah. so to get to see that is phenomenal. his voices I feel like we all know totally and then also um it's it, I mean tickets to things are super expensive it's going to be really hard to get tickets to Hamilton yeah. so I feel like if I said to people oh don't watch it wait till you can see it yeah it's going to be hard to get to yeah. see it probably yeah um so I love that you've spent I have like, spent a lot of time thinking about lying this. awake Worrying about this? I hope it's not going to be... I hope that they're able to keep a run of it long enough and maybe travel it so that if you live in Brisbane or or Adelaide or Perth or regional places that you can get a chance to see it. I just... I really hope as many people as possible can see it. But in the absence of that, I guess the fact it's on telly is going to be good. So anyway, so that was... Interviewing Lin-Manuel was, like, such a great, great pleasure. Um, And then Ricky Gervais, uh, that was also lovely and he was perfectly nice as well it has a a higher level of stress for me and I feel almost ill at the recollection of it because the computer died halfway through the record beg your pardon when we were zooming (gasps) and so um yeah I was in the office um and so and it's hard to build rapport with people you know in person let alone over the computer when the link dies and so what happens did you get him back like what yeah we got him back um it was it was fine but it just it breaks your train of thought and he's he's thought process goes all over the shop anyway so it's a high degree of difficulty yeah. at my end thinking okay do I follow him down that do, where do I go now oh he's just raised this oh I could go there oh no he's moved on and so really high level of concentration trying to figure how to make it flow um and so when I finished it I was like you know, just sweating just bath like, of oh, sweat what's your technique when you are interviewing people remotely like that I find it so I find it at least two to three times as hard as interviewing people in person I just find it it's yeah. just 
Like I did a remote version of Insiders. I think it's the first one I've done at the weekend. And that's just like, it's so hard to have a conversation where it's like being tied up like a mummy. Like I use my hands and like, I mean, it sounds so sick to say you use your body to interview someone, but you do like because you kind of use all of these nonverbal signs to show, to build trust with somebody, to show you're not going to hurt them or like, or to, you know, show that you're interested. Oh, totally. And it's sort of so hard to do it when you're um, coming down a television, you know, when you're interviewing a screen. Yeah. And I mean, I know you've done it heaps because whenever you, you know, you regularly interview people overseas who you're doing. Well, I'm actually at the point now where with, um, I mean, it's unfortunately with Corona, it's down the screen or it's nothing. Mm. Um, But with uh, most celebrities, I just, it has to be somebody absolutely epic for me to agree to do it down the screen for all of the reasons yeah. that you out- outlined because it, the degree of difficulty and building any sort of rapport is yeah. impossible. When they're in person, say if they're in Australia, usually how it works is they'll do, say, I'm thinking of Hugh Jackman, for example, when he was here last year talking about his live show. They are in a place where they might have a backdrop from promoting whatever and yeah. then they just have cycles of journals yeah. built through. We don't. For 7.30, we won't do that because we don't want it to just look like a mass-produced thing and I want to do an interview that's different to what everyone else has been able to do. So we usually will be in a different room set up in a proper two-camera shoot. And so it flags to the person... And they get walked in... For, exactly. You know. So it flags to the person immediately that this is not just another run-of-the-mill thing. Yeah. Whereas I think when I was interviewing, Lin-Manuel was actually, he was unique and standalone because he was talking about his show coming to Australia. Yeah. It wasn't like he was doing a day of media. And because you just nagged him and... Exactly. Mm. Just stalked him. Whereas Ricky Gervais has been doing a ton of interviews about Afterlife and because it yeah. all feels the same to him because he's just sitting in his study and it's just another yeah. person on the Skype. So you can't really establish like... Um, okay, this is going to be like a proper conversation. I, I have watched your material and I have researched you and all of the rest of it. So you're trying to establish that just through dint of whatever connection you can make down the line and the kind of questions you're asking. So it's really, really, really hard. You've probably it. never um, occupied this slot of the celebrity interviewing food chain, but when I was um, when I worked in London for Fairfax... Um, I used to do a few kind of movie profiles and interviews and stuff like that. And um, often in those cases, you'd have like a giant star, some film coming out. And so they'd have, you know, a junket day at some hotel where the star would be in a room and you'd have reporters, you know, ushered in for a 10 minute slot, just like you've um, described. There'd be some TV one and then there'd be a print one. Yeah. And then, um, but... If you're sufficiently unimportant that you don't even qualify for one of those in-out, shake-it-all-about slots, then you get put in... I mean, it's like... It's kind of like the collateralised debt um, obligation of the the film interviewing world. There's... um, also a kind of like a, a, a pool interview where all of the not very important <laughs> writers from sort of um, not very important countries get put in a pool like with six people and then the star will come in and, and be interviewed by all six of them at once. Oh. So you can say if you're a tiny um, newspaper or organisation that, well, you know, um, Scarlett Johansson told me that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you don't mention that you're in a room with, you know, a Dutch newspaper, a kind of like, you know, the um, Federated States of Micronesia Daily. <laughs> 
And the funniest thing about those is that you get to really, like, it's completely bonkers because maybe that actor that you're interviewing has done, like, an ad series in that country and that's oh, all yeah. they're known for. Like, oh, so someone yeah, will be right. asking about coffee. Yeah, right. Anyway, so weird. Yeah, so weird. I went through a few very, very funny ones of those. Um, also with some quite amusing um, English as a second language um, instances as well. Anyway, just now, just letting you know how the other half lives, Dal. <laughs> now, uh, two quick thoughts. One is uh, just st- on Afterlife Season 2. If you liked Afterlife Season 1, I think you'll like Afterlife Season 2, so carry on with that. Uh, you said the word bonkers, which is such a great word. Reminds me of another one of my favourite words, demented. Oh, um, using a demented a lot. Do you think I use during... dementedly as well. It makes a lovely adverb. Mm. Do you think that um, during the sort of coronavirus period of the, um, you know, sparkling limited socialisation... That just still makes me just laugh and laugh. Who was that that said that thing about just to just to refer about the champagne? There was, yeah, there was. You know, Lee was getting a guts kicked out of her on social media about some, you know, some. Oh, it was it was, it was um, the use, of use of the term homeschooling, homeschooling for which right. we all apologise. Anyway, um, and somebody. No, I don't apologise. No, I yeah, was schooling but, them when I was at home. Yeah. It's homeschooling. Oh God! Right. Yeah. <laughs> Forward letters to. <laughs> Somebody made a um, a very funny tweet saying, "Unless it comes from the homeschool raw region of France, it's not homeschooling. It's simply sparkling online learning." <laughs> it was very funny. I don't know who it was. Some random. Yeah, yeah. very funny. No, but um, speaking of bonkers mm. and whatnot, do you think during the Corona sort of lockdown period, which is now lifting a bit? Have you? How has it affected you? Have you done anything a bit crazy, or and then thought, oh, what was I thinking? Like, for example, like buying a crazy online purchase or anything like that. My crazy online purchases are really down. I've bought about thirty crumpet rings, though. That's a bit of a problem. I have been because I started, you know, as you know, blah blah blah. I won't bore you. I did start making sourdough. I hated myself the whole time. Um, <laughs> if it's any comfort. Um, I just I started making sourdough with the with the sort of feeling of somebody just submitting to an yeah. inevitability. Why am I just going along with the pack? Yeah. I'm about to actually. My mother killed her starter um, oh. with with crumpets the other day because oh. Um, oh maybe I should put some crumpet rings in the pack for her. Bugger! I'm I'm about to mail her some sourdough starter because she accidentally separated out a bit of starter to make some crumpets, but then cooked the starter. So now she doesn't have any starter left. Like, it's a total starter murder. Sourdough emergency. And she's in regional South Australia. Where's she going to get more starter? It could take weeks. So I'm actually mailing her some. Hit, like, pink white privilege. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I... um, and mailing her in a post pack some sourdough started today. Cue total disaster and it, you know, expanding and killing the yeah. two worlds postal office or something. Yeah. Um, um, but no, apart from buying a lot of crumpet rings, um, none of which have really worked out the way I hoped they would. Oh, okay. Mm. I bought, I've been actually really good and haven't sort of been doing anything, but I just made a really demented purchase last week, which was a baking tray, which is all, <laughs> it's got about 20 mini Kugelhopf. I know um, where this is going. Sort of holes in it. Mini bunts. Mini bunts, basically. Anyway, it arrived and... <laughs> Did you remember buying it, like, when it yeah, turned up? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't even know really what... 
sparked me into thinking about buying it. It was such a strange thing to do. Anyway, it arrived and I opened it. Pretty much the second I opened it, I was just full of self-loathing because it looks like something that a character in Frozen would bake with. It's like all like, you know, little swirls. Curlicues and, oh, and little just hideous. turrets. You've, Tur- got, you've got a turret tray. The kind of frilly, frou-frou detail that I hate. Like it looks like something that would be owned by somebody with a collection of porcelain mm. dolls. I knew... You used that expression at the weekend when you were <laughs> recklessly live broadcasting from your home, just in case anyone wasn't in the Facebook group at the weekend. I mean, let's face it, almost everyone will have had better things to do than watch Lee Sales over the course of a couple of hours broadcasting regular updates as to how she was going with this bunt tray of mini bunt. Oh, my God. I looked at it and I thought, that's going to be interesting. Because <laughs> yeah. they are like intricate little And they're just tiny. Crevices. I mean, I reckon each each little, I don't know what they're called, like dent. Golf bunt. Took probably a tablespoon of cake mix. And you also, like, I if them. I can just uh, weigh in here <laughs> with the uh, experience of someone who watched the entire series back to back and just, I was just crying laughing at your, at your various blunders. A, you just used the wrong cake mix. It was too stiff. It was way too stiff. It was stiff. too stiff to get way, into your hole. Love, but I didn't problem. know that. And then, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just caught what you said. Um, I yeah, but how was I to know that that cake mix was going to be stiff? A stiff. Uh, cake I don't mix. know. Reading the proportions of flour and freaking water and but like what? How long? I'm going to give it another do go. Do you have with a, with a runnier? Are cake you new mix. to this? <laughs> Here we go. A runnier cake mix <laughs> will. Pour into crevices into holes a bit more easily. Yeah. Um, so what am I looking for in a cake mix to know it's going to be runny? Just Not read the proportions. Egg whites. Just, oh, proportions, just read the proportions. Oh, I mean, okay. amount of flour to amount of liquids. Yeah, okay. Of, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah also, true. This one had like sour cream, um, yogurt, stiff egg whites that you've whipped stiff, up stiff, to be stiff. stiff. So, yeah. You could thin it with a bit of milk. Like that is totally acceptable. Yeah. yeah. Look at you with the like okay. listening to I'm crab gonna, saying something I'm sensible. Gonna, no, no, you're not like, listening at all. I, you're absolutely correct. I'm going to give it another go using I've got an orange cake mix that's quite runny, so I'll have a stab at it with Perfect. that. Perfect. So, also, if I've told you once, I've told you a million times and you never take my advice... When greasing a bunt hole, yeah. soft butter yeah. and pastry brush. That's what I did. No, you used melted, melted butter. butter. Do you know what happens? No. When you use melted butter? No. In my view. <laughs> yeah. Melted butter runs down into the crevices and oh, yeah. pulls there. Good point, it does. So you've got a little True. turret that's a bit deep fried. And True. if you then compound the error by dusting it with flour, <laughs> which I saw you do all the while explaining why you hate doing this, I'm like, yes, it's a bad call. So here's what happens. I mean, far be it from me to have to explain another law of physics to you <laughs> over and above the very, very tricky... Things are more runny when they've got more fluids in them, discussion that we've already had. But when a, when you put a liquid butter into a little, you know, complicated bunty bit, it just runs down into the ends. Right. And then when you put flour in there, then the flour joins the butter and becomes a, a greasy kind of 
powdery you, thing. You're absolutely right. And, is, that's and what, is that what happened? 100%. Okay. That's exactly what it was Your like. softened butter, and I'm talking aggressively soft, and no, yeah. you can't use margarine here. Yeah. I can <laughs> see your face just going, well, margarine is softer than butter. <laughs> no, no, no. You leave the butter somewhere just warm. Just room temperature and or then just, softer than room temperature? Well, like really soft room temperature. Okay. Like if you've got to put it into... Like a hot Queensland day room temperature. Yeah, yeah that's okay, right. Good. And yeah. if you've just got a, an oven that was on an hour ago, yeah. you pop it in there. No worries. Possibly Not the single most useful podcast I've recorded with you in really? four or five years. Okay, yeah. there you go. Very helpful. Um, so um, pastry brush into that and then dab, 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 dab. It'll just cling to the sides. Yeah, good point. Particularly yeah. if your okay. um, bunt tin is nice and sort good. of cool. Then so should I do another series when I do it with the other cake mix? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try it again the right way. I mean, why not? the other thing okay. that I noticed that I just... Anyway, yeah. so at the end, yeah. when you're left with this series of mounds, I mean, yeah. you've got you've got some mounds because you overfilled yeah. your holes. Yeah, fair I did. enough. And I then did. they rose, yeah. and then so you've got like yeah, it's essentially just a, big joint together a softball with yep. a sort of a, totally. a like a yep. an amusement on the other end. <laughs> That's what your exactly. little mini. Yeah, exactly. And so then you've had a look at it and gone, oh. you've turned them out, and then you've individually shaved them down. <laughs> It's the most inefficient sha- bunt shaving I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's one point where you've got one that's like a little love heart shape and you've hacked off like a kilo of like bulge off its bum and then you've held it up and gone, oh, I'll eat that. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's video gold. It's prime content. So I noticed in the comments a few people mm. suggested that what I should have done is a collective shaving of the asses. Look, of the that's pulse. where I'd start. I would have shaved those asses collectively because I mean, I mean, you could have used your electric knife for that, love. <laughs> oh, um, also, the other thing, a number of people commented before I greased the tin, use baking spray, which I didn't do. Oh. Use Glen Twenty. <laughs> why do you? Uh, why are oh, you God. contemptuous of baking spray? I've never used it. But. I've never used it either. Um, well, it's as runny as melted butter. A, if you're using it, like it's not. It doesn't have the same degree of cling. Look, I understand that people who want to use much less oil in their lives go psh, onto yeah. a fry pan and then they can, you know you know, um, efficiently fry their single chicken breast or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but I find... If you were serious, you'd be if, poaching it if you're serious about weight exactly. loss. Exactly. So, in in you know, master stock, on. as I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I find, seriously, with your baking, yeah. if you use it again and again and again yeah. on a pan, it leaves a residue. It oh. does. Oh, it's there's got some it's got some other gloopy, gooey stuff in there, and Ooh. after a while, residue. I know yeah. this because my mum told me she had she went through a baking spray phase. All right, won't go back and as she far went as I know. Off it. Mm. Mm. Okay. Residue. Is she a fan of the soft butter and the pastry brush? Where do you think I learned it? Well, there you go. Yeah. Well played, Crystal um, Crab. Now we've been talking about absolute bollocks all effectively for 25 minutes now, okay. apart from the handy kitchen tips supplied by me. <laughs> so that leaves um, you five minutes with whatever you've got to add. Well. I wanted to talk about Rabbit Hole. I reckon I can do it quickly. What's Rabbit Hole? Uh, it's a podcast, New York mm. Times podcast. Mm. So it's by um, uh, one of their star reporters, a guy called Kevin Roos, who's put it together with his colleague Andy Mills. Mm. And it's I haven't listened to all of it yet. It is, it's about the internet and what it's doing to our brains. It starts with, um, I mean, it's, it's actually much more interesting than that um, yeah. and more precise. So they start with YouTube and they're looking at, 
YouTube's algorithm. You know, like if you watch something on YouTube, then it immediately lines up 38 other things for you to watch. Now, I know that you've experienced this because if you go in there and watch one Hamilton thing, eight hours later, you're in the White House with Michelle and Barack clicking along, going, you know, and then you're at Lin-Manuel's wedding. Yeah, exactly. Awesome video, you know. But so that is the genius of YouTube, right? Like, I mean, it, it has such an incredible penetration now like in the latest episode of this show they said um that it's it's something like a thousand years of youtube is watched every day by people around the world it's just unbelievable the amount of productive time people spend immersed in youtube but what they do um in this series and I've, i've listened to three or four eps now um and where they've started is with this guy called Caleb Kane. He's a um, 26-year-old uh, college dropout, and he tells the story of essentially how he was kind of radicalised by YouTube. They interviewed this guy, a French engineer, who went to work for YouTube um, in the early days before it absolutely exploded, and he talks about what his job was, which was to um, develop an algorithm that would... Um, rather than just showing people, because he said the old one was just like, well, if you watch a cat video, YouTube will show you another cat video. You seem to like cat videos. Here's some more cat videos. Yeah. But they've, his job was to develop something that would actually extend the reach, like actually lead people somewhere so that they would hang around later longer than um, once they'd exhausted the available stock of cat videos, or probably impossible, or the patience of a human watching cat videos so it actually the genius of this algorithm is like well you've seen that here's something similar and then something similar again Ah. and he actually left because he then started to feel like this is actually getting weird um because he was aware that this was beginning to create really significant siloing tribal behavior when applied to sort of political thought so Um, And because the feel of an algorithm is, oh, you know, I watched this, here's some other things that are also around. The YouTube algorithm gives you these suggestions, but it implicitly builds the perception that, you know, you're looking at a variety of things um, or or, or a representation of the thinking in this area. Whereas actually it's pushing you into a very particular piece of analysis or whatever. So, and they've got this guy, Caleb Kane, who, Um, to talk through the process of what he watched on YouTube that ended up with him being a Nazi, basically. So So he he, starts out, he he drops out of college and he's um, unhappy and he doesn't have a job and he's living with his grandma, I think. And so he's watching all of this YouTube content, just music, songs, you know, whatever. And then he starts coming across this guy called Stefan Molyneux, who's a kind of, he's a bit of a, men's rightsy sort of a, you know, radical libertarian-y sort of a person. Um, So he then watches everything that this guy has ever um, done, gets involved in his YouTube channel, and that's kind of like a gateway to all these other slightly more extreme people who he's helped by, you know, um, by YouTube throughout. And what they've done is they've gone back and actually dug up his entire viewing history over years and years and years. So they have actually... Um, quite um, clinically analysed 
even down to the day. On this day, he watched six hours of Stefan Molyneux and then he took a break and watched music videos until 3am. Like, wow. It's quite extraordinary. And they're interviewing Caleb too, who's, who, I mean, the end of, Ca- I mean, I think that, I believe that Caleb's, um, I mean, he had a bit of a epiphany around the time of the Christchurch massacre, I think, because he was like, oh, he went and read the manifesto by the gunman and thought, oh, that's exactly the stuff that I've been consuming and listening to, and wow. So I think he had a bit of a oh-my-God moment. Wow. And that's probably why he's agreed to, you know, this this examination, this clinical examination of his behaviour. Anyway, it's totally fascinating. Did Does it make you feel nervous about letting your kids watch YouTube? Oh, hundred percent, yeah. yeah because yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I, sure I I'm love not. It. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not alone um, in my kids. Just the amount of online content that they've been consuming in lo- lockdown is just like I don't know, quadrupled. Yeah, it's just heaps more, and that's just because even after you know they finish school at three, they're not doing sport. They're not doing you yeah. know drama. They're not doing you know they're not going to the park with their friends. And they're starved of content, like contact with their friends. And the only way that they can talk to their friends is online, whether yeah. they're Zooming or like playing online games or whatever. So, yeah, it's been full on. So, oh, yeah. That sounds good. Okay, rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really good. And I, you know, it, it goes different places, I think. Uh, as I say, not um, listen to the whole thing, but it's um, super compelling. I will add that to my ever-growing list of yes. stuff. Oh, 31 minutes 39. <laughs> wow. I've got another minute Nails and a half it. out of you. That's because you were so indulgent it. about Lin-Manuel. I went to go oh, did you interview Lin-Manuel? end record on my phone then, which oh, is really strange. But oh, now go. we're in a professional It's so analogue. Yeah. All right. All right. See ya. See ya.